Marvel Studios looks to refresh, but not reboot. Never reboot. Don't you say that word. Warner Brothers is ready to spend other people's money, and SAG Awards trend onward. All of that on this week's Multiverse News. When you need mealtime inspiration, it's worth shopping Kroger, where you'll find over 30,000 mouth-watering choices that excite your inner foodie. And no matter what tasty choice you make, you'll enjoy our everyday low prices, plus extra ways to save, like digital coupons worth over $600 each week. You can also save up to $1 off per gallon at the pump with fuel points. More savings and more inspiring flavors make shopping Kroger worth it every time. Kroger, fresh for everyone. Fuel restrictions apply. Welcome to Multiverse News, your source for information about all your favorite fictional universes. My name is Matthew Carroll, and on the panel with me today, we have Jay Sisson. What's up, Jay Sisson? Oh, not too much. I'm just living the dream, as they say. Sweet. Uh, That's always good. I feel like (laughs) everyone that says that, this is not a reflection on you. You don't normally say that. But I know a lot of people who say that as like their main response when you say... Uh, what's going on? I feel like they never mean it. Like they feel like always oh, like there's sad. No, that's people. that's sort of the joke I think at this point. You know, <laughs> yeah. it's like we've, yeah. we've become very v- well versed in like professional speak. You know, yeah, and that's yeah, that's yeah. sort of living the dream is kind of like the cherry on top of of like office speak. Yeah, yeah, it is. It is. All right, glad we could have this talk. Sorry, <laughs> Jay Scotty St. Clair, what's happening? I'm reminded of another idiom. Idiom. I mm. could complain, but no one wants to hear it. Right. We <laughs> <laughs> should all come in with idioms. And Haley Hobbs, what's happening? Oh, happy end of February. Oh, yeah. It is. I can't believe it. I, I and I, I forgot it was a leap year and I was looking at the calendar. I was like, oh my gosh, it's like tomorrow. And I was like, oh, one more day. One more day. Got a little bit more time. <laughs> to fulfill all of my February goals. Okay. Uh up uh, let's say thank you to our five star review for this week jx sizzle which i can only assume that username is uh two that's the username of two large monsters that fight jx sizzle <laughs> um says this show is awesome what a great way to get all of my news for all of my favorite fictional universes a big huzzah to multiverse news thank you jx sizzle you big monsters you Huzzahs all around. Huzzah. Huzzah to you, sir. Um, well, let's get into the news this week. First up, The Hollywood Reporter released another in-depth article about the going-ons at Marvel Studios. On the tale of the successful Deadpool and Wolverine trailer, Fantastic Four casting confirmation, and X-Men 97 release date, the MCU appears to be setting itself up for a return to success. Jay, tell us about it. Yeah, so we'll kind of go through what I think are the highlights from this article, just sort of one by one from sort of like biggest thing that was dropped and then just kind of filter down from there. Uh, This was a really interesting article and it was quietly dropped just sort of in the middle of the week and it didn't really do what the last uh, sort of expose on the MCU did that we covered that was in Variety, which was much more negative about the future outlook of the MCU. This one was... I guess you could categorize it as positive. It does speak to this idea of retooling, which is what was used in the title, right? That Marvel Studios is looking to 
kind of take the direction that they've been going in ever since Avengers Endgame and make a few core changes to what that model looks like now. And the biggest piece of news, I think, that was dropped in this, which, again, was not the lead, it was kind of buried, like, right in the middle of a sentence, right in the middle of the article, is that it seems like it's well known in the industry that Avengers, which was formerly known as Kang Dynasty, Avengers 5, will no longer be called Avengers Kang Dynasty, that right now it's officially dropped from the title. And we've speculated on that. When Jonathan Majors was fired, we speculated on the idea that Kang would probably be a character that they would minimize or just move away from entirely. But then we started hearing rumors like all Colton Domingo's kind of being courted as maybe being somebody to step in. And we kind of warmed up to that idea. But I think this, and I'll be interested to hear your all's thoughts, and we'll kind of talk about this for a little bit. Like this, I think makes sense. I mean, from the beginning, this is what I said, what I thought would happen would be that they would move on from this character. And what this article shows us, I think, is that the problem with Kang was bigger than Jonathan Majors, right? Obviously, that was a problem. The article does mention that they thought about moving on, or they had publicly discussed moving on from the character of Kang after the poor reception of Quantum Mania and before all of the Jonathan Majors drama happened, which who knows at this point. But ultimately, I think it speaks to this bigger issue that maybe the audiences aren't as into the idea of the multiverse as Marvel thought that they would be, right? That maybe mm. the multiverse didn't really take off like they thought it would. And that could speak to the flaws of just the multiverse story. It's hard to keep up with. People are tired of the cameos, you know, all that type of stuff. Or does it speak to the wider problem? like not having your core heroes that you had in the build-up to the Infinity Saga, right? Or is it just both, right, uh, on some level? But I think, to me, that was the biggest piece of information to come out of this. Like, it seems like they want to sort of steer away from this character. Like, they want to move away to something else. Mm. That's that's really interesting um, that you bring that up. Like, one thing I've always talked about with Marvel, and especially with their sort of, like, tension with DC, <laughs> is that, like, a lot of times those studios were making the same movie a lot of times, like Batman v Superman, same time as civil war. You know what I mean? Uh, Avengers came out and shortly after it was justice league. Like they really, and, and it seemed like Marvel always got the drop on DC, but the multiverse as a concept, I think is more niche than people think like we, as comic book fans, we think of it as just a tool in the arsenal. But I think, I think, more casual fans think of multiverse and they go like, Oh, I I've seen multiverse stories, you know, like it's, it's like a, it's, it's a genre of story almost. And it's being done so well by spider verse and it's being done, uh, you know, to varying degrees and lots of media right now. So I think that the, it may have been doomed from the beginning because it, it doesn't have that, um, ability to feel novel like a lot of the Marvel stuff has up until now or beating other studios to the punch when the flash is doing it and you're still got four more years of multiverse saga to go. It just, it feels like you're a little behind the punch. Well, you mentioned the flash and I, I think about the flash TV series did it even well before the movie. So, Oh yeah. 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 In terms of like the, the multiverse not being as a novel a thing these days, I think that's, that's really true. And, um, whether or not they were shot in the foot from the beginning, that's what I push back on a little bit more because I think there are, there's the potential to really push the envelope there. And uh, we are seeing like other 
properties or other studios take the idea of the multiverse and I feel like they're doing more with it than Marvel is like like everything everywhere all at once like that took the multiverse and did Absolutely. something like really unique with it and you got a you got a movie like the multiverse of madness which I love I, I love that movie but one of my chief complaints with it is like we visit what like three verses that we spend any significant amount of time in the rest of it is a quick montage that we got in the trailer mm-hmm. so so yeah I, I I do think like it's a little bit of column A and a little bit of column B when it comes to the reception of the multiverse saga. But uh, another kind of like throwaway piece of news that, that came out of this article is the fact that Bob Iger went on record to say that he's most excited for Brave New World. And I, I take that with a pretty massive grain of salt because it's like, yeah, I mean, that that makes sense. Like, you're not going to say Deadpool because that's the rated R one and you don't really want to be associated with that one. But it makes sense that you're going to say the next movie that's coming out is the one that you're the most excited for because you've illustrated time and time again how you're really all about the money. But, you know, that being said, I too am excited for Brave New world i'm a little bit more excited for thunderbolts just because of the cast but i really do think the potential for brave new world to like really drive home some of that connectivity and some of those callbacks to the previous sagas that we're kind of longing for um, is there Uh, last thing i'll say again in terms of the kang dynasty title uh, i look forward to the day when we're a few years removed from this and marvel can kind of like have a laugh at it and poke fun of themselves like like we're seeing that they're doing in deadpool uh deadpool and wolverine and I can't wait for the series Howard the Duck Dynasty. Like, <laughs> it's going to happen. <laughs> Just coming up with those cursed titles already, Scotty. That's great. That's what I'm here for. It's <laughs> wonderful. This article coupled with some comments that Bob Iger said during the quarterly earnings call is interesting. He basically said we're going back to formula. I'm paraphrasing and putting my own spin on it, but that's kind of what he said. And what it all tells me is that we jumped too fast, too far too fast into the multiverse post-Infinity Saga. Because a lot of what we've said and what other fans have said is that we're missing information about what happened right after Endgame. And we just jumped into all this other stuff. And they did it with some of the projects, but not all of them. And then they went to too big and so they're scaling it back which we knew they were going to do and they needed to do anyway it's all of that coupled with all of kevin feige trying to take his hand off the wheel trying to direct a star wars movie can't do that he has to come back to marvel um and i I think it's going to be a good thing i do i'm really excited about agatha darkhold diaries i think it's a real vote of confidence that they had was it one day of reshoots for that for that show so Mm -hmm. that's super exciting to me and I'm yeah. absolutely mm-hmm. going to force us to do a three-part primer for that on Source <laughs> <laughs> Yeah, you're totally right, Haley. Like, they they have a hero problem, I think, at this point. Mm-hmm. Like, strangely enough, you know, at the beginning, in the lead-up to the Infinity Saga, they got to the team-up so fast. And that was good, because what it did is it established, before they really had all of their movies and all of their, like, deep dives and all that type of stuff, they got to the team. And so you always thought of the team as the as one right like they were the team and then they would go off and do their own like side quests and side adventures but you knew that they were coming back together as a team but with this new phase like post endgame it's a lot of like side quest first right like we get introduced to a character they're kind of doing their thing we're getting six episodes on them or like or something like that right and then 
they're not coming together in a team, right? So it's like you've got all of these scattered pieces, but you don't have those like core heroes that really drive the engagement or really drive the universe. You don't have like your Captain Americas and your Iron Mans and all that. And that's not saying that none of these heroes could be that eventually. It's just they're not there and we haven't seen them come together. You know, I always thought of the MCU as like, being this like very connected thing at the beginning, which was the point, right? It's like, we've got the Avengers films, we've got the civil wars, we've got like all these characters popping up in each other's movies. And then now it's, it's not that it feels like you've got like corners of the universe all over the place that don't really super interact with each other. Like, of course there's the connectivity stuff, but the characters aren't like super interacting with each other. You know what I mean? And so it's like that hanging that on that, that universe is, is difficult. And it's, I think it sort of explains why maybe there's been a lack of interest at the box office on some level uh, in, in Marvel properties or lack of interest on Disney plus or whatever uh, in some of these properties. But all that being said, this article speaks to like, that is the focus. Like that's the focus of Kevin Feige is to say, we recognize that. And when we say retool, we realize like we need, we need those stars. Like we need those like core heroes that people kind of see as like the foundation. And then we can build from there. But we, we sort of shot a little too fast out of the gate and try to gather the heroes before really like having a purpose and having a direction mm. for a lot of those characters. I think that's, I think it's very much part of the problem that the thing I always said about phase one, and there was a big complaint from a lot of pe- a lot of quarters of the world of, of com- wanting to complain about Marvel was they had a villain problem. They never, they never uh, like built up these big villains and they would just kill off their villains after one movie or whatever. That was like a big complaint for like two full phases. My argument was always that's because these movies aren't about the villains. Like they spent their time building characters. And I'm wondering if like them trying to introduce this sort of overarching plot so quickly with the multiverse and other little overarching plots they're trying to introduce. um, If they're losing that, hero focus and like you said those heroes don't have their own personalities we don't know who they are they're not as they don't have as much direction for us as some of the ones from phase one um and phase two um and yeah i think i think that's i think they should have if they're if they're lost their whole slate of their all their teams they need to spend time rebuilding those characters from the ground up and i do think they sort of jumped into this multiverse idea a little quickly yeah, there's another thing in this article that's mentioned too that there seems to be um, like rewrites going on for some of these scripts, and so it does mention that Eric Pearson, who did a little bit of script cleanup for Black Widow and Thor Ragnarok, was actually hired to finish the Fantastic Four script and polish it, and then the Bear showrunner Joanna Kahlo was hired for the same reason to take a pass at the script at Thunderbolts and. This was all new information. Like these are not super well-known names. Uh, they seem to be people that Marvel likes because they've worked with them before. But that speaks a little bit on the fact that we haven't heard a whole lot about the direction of these projects. Like one of the um, <laughs> one of the articles that kind of got out there that was sort of accompanying this one was saying that in the original script for Thunderbolts that they were all going to die. Like that was going to be Mm. how it ended was that they were going to kill everyone uh, and sort of do a suicide squad, I guess. And seemingly since that is out there, that is not the case anymore, but it does make you wonder like, what was, what was the state of these scripts? And then like bringing in the, the fixers, right? Like 
hopefully that that speaks to something positive right that there's a that there's a or they recognized a problem and they're working on trying to correct it but it also raises your eyebrow a little bit it's kind of be like man like some of these writers that they brought on for these projects like maybe they weren't super crazy about like the final product that they put on the table of those two names i'm really excited for joanna callow for that specific project because if you've seen the bear it's about a bunch of sort of misanthropes trying to come together as a team and like that seems perfect and the sort of um i mentioned this in the mcu cast but her strategy for writing for the bear and the way the camera is sort of moving around the kitchen and they're all kind of talking at each other and it's giving little glimpses of the characters as this sort of you move around the action reminds me so much of uh, the original Avengers movie, that scepter scene, like really reminds me of the bear. And and I always love that scene because you kind of get this idea of, of really in the room, almost theater acting with these characters sort of bouncing off of each other and really feeling in the room. And I think that could be really fun if they can capture that energy for the Thunderbolts. Yeah, the addition of Joanna Kahlo is what stands out to me as well. And it does make me think about like the timing that all of this took place. Yeah. We're getting this article all at once now and all of these revelations now, but I I do suspect that all of these things like kind of like took place over the course of months and weeks rather than all just like kind of happening right now. And it does make me um, wonder about, you know, like we talked about Ayo Adabiri being considered for uh, a role in Thunderbolts that ultimately went Mm -hmm. to Geraldine, Geraldine Viswanathan um, I guess she's gonna. They're gonna be like Val's, you know, uh, confidant or assistants, what have you. And it, it's interesting because the bear keeps garnering all these awards, um, like as far as the Emmys go, and it keeps getting credited as a comedy. So, like, my knee jerk reaction is to think, oh, like they're trying to inject the script with some comedy. But there keeps being the pushback to whether or not the bear is actually a comedy or or not. So. Um, It'll be interesting to see what that that script actually looks like and how much comedy there will be. Yeah. Yeah. Last thing that we haven't mentioned yet uh, is the fact that there was no news or talk about the Blade movie uh, from Bob Iger when he's mentioning the 2025 releases. So it seems like it's very possible there won't be a Blade movie in 2025, uh, which we've talked about a lot uh, and is pretty likely the case. We never see that Blade movie. (laughs) (laughs) I've asked this on this show before, but when when did Maharshal Ali got brought out on stage? Like that was like 2018 or something, wasn't it? Like wasn't it like that yeah, it was long, a long ago? Time ago, it was a long time ago. I've, I don't know when it was, but it was it, it was probably pre-COVID kind of situation. It's wild, <laughs> yeah, I don't know, man. Yeah. All right, moving on to our next story. After Joker, Foley Adu, director Todd Phillips shared character photos on Valentine's Day. Variety revealed Warner Brothers is spending $200 million on that sequel. This news on the heels of Tom Cruise's non-exclusive contract with the studio sparked one source to say that Warner Brothers is playing with other people's money. Coupled with our knowledge of their 2023 box office success, what do these large expenditures tell us about the future of Warner Brothers? I do think this is a little bit of an overreaction in terms of like a $200 million budget. Yeah, that's that's big and that's a lot bigger than what we saw with the original film, but it's still not entirely outlandish. Like we saw Disney throw $300 million towards Indiana Jones and the Dial of Destiny last summer. Mm-hmm. and That did not pay off. Uh, but then I, I'm also hearing rumors about like the, the Gladiator 2 budget, like getting upwards of like $310 million now. So... 
200 million still seems, you know, rather conservative, but my, my fear is like with, um, Todd Phillips, like looking at his filmography, like I love that first hangover film, but I don't care for the sequels. And yeah, you know, the, the Joker seems like it's going to be bigger and better. It's a musical. It's bringing in the addition of Lady Gaga. So we kind of talked in our chat, like I, I haven't seen the specifics, but I don't know what kind of back end deal Lady Gaga has in terms of like the music and what her rights are and what her, her take home is going to be. But, you know, uh, not being the most versed in when it comes to musicals, like I have musicals that I certainly appreciate. I think it makes sense when the the production is is increasing in scale like this. You're going to see that reflected in the budget. But two hundred million dollars feels right to me, um, considering that the first one brought in a billion. I don't think the second one will perform quite as well, but it has a chance of doing you know reasonably well. And I think it could still have a decent return on investment if they are if they're conservative about the budget going forward like hey we're at 200 million let's like kind of pump our brakes and make sure we we are responsible going forward because if not i think uh, todd phillips runs the risk of like earning a reputation where like he is not going to be afforded these opportunities going forward no matter how well this this film performs yeah i think 200 million's pretty wild like i i was shocked when i saw that and Walking Phoenix, twenty million is a fat check. Uh, I'm surprised. I'm surprised that he, uh, you know, I mean, I'm assuming he has some sort of like deal on the back end of this movie. But like, to me, like, I mean, that's that's an enormous chunk of the budget. And I mean, the movie doesn't happen without him, so it makes sense. Like, he's got that mm-hmm. leverage to be able to do mm. that. But looking at this, like a two hundred million dollar, I'm wondering first, like, where where's that all going uh, <laughs> within this whole thing? Like, I mean, clearly salaries are a big part of that. Mm-hmm. But two, like the first one had a budget of sixty million, right, and made a billion, and it was a risk. I mean, you're talking about a rated R movie. You're talking about like uh, a character that is a villain that's supposed to be a villain of Batman with no Batman. Uh, you're talking about like a a movie that's happening at the same time as. The, like these characters exist in other movies, right? So you're making a Joker movie while there's like active Batman things going on. So it was a risk on a lot of levels, but that the reason why it was allowed to be a risk and he was allowed to make it as a risk is because it only cost $60 million, right? So then sure. he goes out and that gamble obviously paid off, uh, you know, not just the, the money, but the awards and everything, like it paid off huge. So now like with the 200 million, it can definitely return on that investment. I mean, it's going to cost you at least another hundred million to market it. So you have to add all that together, right? And you're you're going to get to a point where you have to you're going to have to do well to make that back. But not saying it can't, but it does just raise the stakes a little bit. Like it's this one's probably. I mean, it's a musical. Like it's going to be risky too, you know. <laughs> sure. And I mean, you know what I mean. And like that may pay off. You got Lady Gaga in it. Like uh, you know, it, it hopefully will pay off. Like I want it to be great. But still, it's a risk, and uh, it's uh, it's one that is a little riskier when you've got that much uh, that much money in the conversation. Warner Brothers is trying to capitalize on anything they can at this point, and they're also what we're not talking about from this article is the way they're trying to acquire properties and people and contracts and stuff without them having to put a lot on the table. And that's very interesting to me because they hold so much lucrative IP, which we've talked about before. Um, The Tom Cruise non-exclusive contract is fascinating because they were talking to Paramount and then they weren't, but they got Tom Cruise who has his stuff on Paramount. And this week, I think, Paramount and Peacock are in talks to combine their streaming services. And so it's just another piece of that puzzle of how do we keep our corner on this market 
with all this great information and all these great characters that we have and still make money when we're coming off a $1.4 billion Barbie year plus all the other successful things they had at the box office because Wonka was theirs and, you know, they, they kind of had gangbusters last year. So, yeah, I find all their moves really kind of calculated in a way because they don't want to put the dollar up. They want somebody else to. I think Zaslav is gearing up to sell Warner Brothers. I mean, and the, the industry thinks that too. And he mm. doesn't say that, obviously. Um, but, you know, watch watch, uh, watch what he does, not what he says. Uh, it, it just it, spe- <laughs> it speaks a little bit. To, it's, it's just the moves speak like this is, a, this is a company that is gearing itself up to be sold yeah. uh, at some point, you know, which, which the industry thinks will happen, by the way. Yeah, and per the article, uh, they mentioned that. And they mentioned the fact that, like, uh, there was some sort of like two year moratorium on such deals and that's about to expire. And then in the middle of that, they're like putting all this money into these properties that makes it, they, 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 in the article, they uh, analogize it as painting a house before you sell it, you know, like trying to pump the price, like look at all these shiny things we own. And then somebody come in to buy the, yeah. Sounds like another Walter Hamada. <laughs> I don't know enough about Walter. He, he was the head of DC for a long time. So. Oh, okay. Sorry, it was before I was on this show. I didn't. Uh, we didn't talk about it. I don't know. Okay. <laughs> hey, maybe we'll finally get uh, Coyote versus Acme. You know, if he sells. Yeah, it. <laughs> yeah. That'd be a way for whoever bought this to like. No, if they well, if they write it off on their taxes, we're never going to see it because then if you <sighs> if you release it, then the government's going to come knock and they're going to be like, "You got that money? We want it back." Yeah. You know? So. So yeah. All right, all right, all right. The 2024 SAG Awards took place on February 24th and aired on Netflix. As the Actors Guild's votes on them, these awards are only for acting in movies and television. Several awards have followed suit to others this season, with a disruptor being Pedro Pascal winning for Outstanding Performance by a male actor in a drama series for his portrayal of Joel in The Last of Us. We're headed to the big one, the Oscars. Anyone have any hot takes? I have a hot take. I have found this award season to become a little monotonous. We're hearing the (laughs) same things get all the awards at all the things. And having seen all of the contenders for Best Picture at the Oscars, I'm a little bit kind of like, this is a little boring, Hollywood. Like, Mm. the choices feel real safe to me. And... I'm sure I'm going to be disappointed in the Oscars stuff too, but it's there were so many amazing out of the box contenders for stuff mm-hmm. this year, and all I've seen get awards is Oppenheimer, The Bear, Succession. Mm-hmm. Um, I don't know. It's just kind of it's just kind of a bummer to be perfectly yeah, honest. <laughs> for sure, I, I feel the same way. Some of the out of the box stuff we've seen doing our Oscars watch over on Binge's Symbol, I'm so much more interested in seeing poor things get some Oscars, even though I understand, I mean, I don't want to take anything away from Oppenheimer. It's amazing. It's, you know, lots yeah. of people working at the top of their game, but it's, yeah, I don't know. It, it, it and it, I don't want to say it's safer, uh, as an awards movie, but it is, I mean, like the, the poor things and a few of the others in contention, just do weirder things. I really want to see movies do weird things to win Oscars. Um, <laughs> And I, I, I think Oppenheimer is like making great film at a high level, but it's not weird enough for me. I want some weird stuff. <laughs> well, not even weird, but just like artistic. Like, yes, this is film is an artistic medium, and 
yes, Oppenheimer is an amazing film and Christopher Nolan is a wonderful filmmaker, but um, I don't know. I just, I've been really floored by some of the other stuff I've seen this year and yeah. Yeah. Artistic is a great word for it because I, I, I think of art as like the spark of creativity mixed with like the craft of great work. And that is, that is what art is to me. And like, you know, you, but for that spark of creativity, you kind of need like something out from, from left field to me. You need something interesting to enter the battlefield of the movie you're making. And I think that Oppenheimer is a really well-crafted movie that like, and I think Christopher Nolan in general, he has an idea and then it's a puzzle box and he puts it together beautifully. Like he comes up with the perfect way to make that movie. Um, but with the exception of Tenet, maybe. I don't know. I like All, Tenet. He, I like Tenet. <laughs> oh, no, no, no. I was going to say, uh, I wasn't saying anything bad about Tenet. I was going to say a lot of his movies feel like there's a big idea and then he solves for, well, I guess Tenet may be that way too. He kind of solves for X to figure out how to make that idea work. Okay. And like, uh, it's not as much weirdness infused in the idea. It's more like, how can I explore this idea fully? And I think Oppenheimer's that way, but, but I guess Tenet kind of is too. I was going to say Tenet's weird. Most of his movies don't feel as weird as Tenet, but Tenet is also sort of the, the same thing. Like what if things went backwards and then just like fully explore that idea? <laughs> yeah. I think it's fair to say that Tenet is probably one of his more like inaccessible films. Like it, it takes a couple of watches to really, to really sink in. But um, Haley, in terms of like, you know, your criticism of like the award season feeling kind of monotonous, I, I'm with you. I think that's a fair criticism, but I think that is an opportunity to give um, Dave I and Joy Randolph a little bit of credit and praise there because she's mm-hmm. had to give so many acceptance speeches and this <laughs> one was a little more subdued, but I, I give her credit for that because it seems like she's like kind of like, you know, saving her, her final, stuff for that Oscar that seems like it's it's pretty much an assured thing like it is hers if yeah. it's not hers like what the hell are we doing <laughs> she's been uh, the most but, consistent recipient I think yeah, yeah. Robert Downey Jr. maybe <laughs> for sure for sure but the other element that has kept it a little more entertaining for me is the Killian Murphy Paul Giamatti kind of like you know uh, neck and neck race for for uh, best actor and uh, the the SAG Awards don't really have as much of a, an impact on the Oscars per se because the voting for the Oscars actually already closed before we got this ceremony. But I, I do think had Paul Giamatti taken this win at the at the SAG Award, it would have felt a little bit more like the the dark horse had a a better chance, and he still has a, a total chance. But I really do just think this is uh, Killian's award, and uh, apart from the film side of things, where it might've felt a little stagnant on the TV side of things. We did have, you know, Pedro give that very impassioned off the cup, uh, off the cuff rather impromptu speech, which was, you know, really heartfelt and just endeared me to him even more, despite my criticisms regarding his, his casting. I am excited. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, man. Like I, I thought the same thing, Scotty, whenever, uh, Killian Murphy got that award because the SAG awards, at least if nothing else, they can help us have a little bit of a window into how Hollywood thinks. Right. And we can kind of see like, this is sort of where the, the, the heads are pointed, right? And so even though it doesn't necessarily like determine what who's going to get the Oscar, it still helps us kind of see where the headspace is. And so for Killian Murphy to just clean up this award season, I think it just, like you said, it's sort of, I mean, it's 
it would be a complete shock to me if he doesn't win that Oscar uh, at this mm. point, just with the way that the award season has gone. It would be a complete shock if Oppenheimer doesn't win Best Picture. And at this point, it would be a complete shock if Robert Downey Jr. doesn't win Best Supporting Actor. So, uh, you know, I think like we're just we're seeing it come together. It's slowly but surely, but we're kind of seeing these puzzle pieces come together and we'll, we'll put the final piece in. And I think a lot of it will just sort of make sense after all this. I think it's also interesting that, you know, all of these big movies came out in 2023, so they're they're all up against each other. But this year, 2024, the big awards contender so far, so far, is going to be Dune Part 2. And I think mm, it's going to yeah. sweep. Um, and, and so it kind of benefits from... I know I looked at a list of films coming out this year. I don't know a lot about a lot of them, so I don't know what will and won't be a big awards contender. But I think Dune is going to be monotonous next year not that it won't deserve it because you know everybody's saying it's like the best movie of all time at this point but it's just kind of interesting like when we have all these good movies and all these actors and actresses who are excelling at such a, a high level put against each other instead of trying to reward all of that I, I'm, I'm getting into like participation trophy territory I realize but <laughs> I guess it's just I just find it to be a little disappointing there are conspiracies out there about the the release date for Dune being moved intentionally to increase support for Oppenheimer so that, you know, Christopher Nolan could in turn support Dune. I mean, I, mean, I think you that's know why I'll put my tinfoil hat on. Yeah. <laughs> I think that's why the IMAX thing happened, where they're going to like put Tenet back in IMAX because it shows right, you right, a right, special right. look at Dune when you go mm. see mm. that, like when you go see that Tenet run uh, in IMAX. And Nolan and you know Denisville knew like they're boys, like they you know mm -hmm. they help each other out. So yeah, I think I think you're dead on with that. I mean, but but yeah, but yeah I mean Dune is Dune's going to clean up if nothing else. Like they're going to clean up all those Oscars for like effects and like costumes and like you know all, like they're gonna like get Lord all of those. the rings like oh, yeah. it's the epic yeah. right all yeah. these movies this year are in a way they're kind of on an even playing field in that they're all crafted so well and written so well and directed so well that's not really going to be the case next year like dune's going to blow most things out of the water probably probably i will caveat yeah <laughs> I, I you're probably right but also like of the things this year, if I look back 12 months ago, I don't think I knew eight of the movies that are in the best picture category Which were coming out. Which is why I'm saying probably. Yeah. So it's very <laughs> possible like there'll be a bunch of smaller movies like this year that like feel like, oh man, I wish they could contend with Dune. But again, Dune might be the one that's sitting on top of everything like, like Oppenheimer this year. Hmm. All right. Well, uh, we're going to take a quick break. We'll be right back. With a lot more in the lightning round and the Spotify poll after this. Welcome back to Multiverse News. Uh, first thing, we're going to turn to our Spotify poll. Uh, <laughs> we asked which of the Fantastic Forecast makes you most excited. We had Joseph Quinn as the Human Torch at 11.6%, Eben Moss Bacharach uh, as the Thing with 15.9%, Vanessa Kirby as Invisible Woman with 31.9%, and the winner is Pedro Pascal uh, as Mr. Fantastic, 40.6%. What'd you guys think? 
Did you see Pedro's inebriated um, post-awards show <laughs> talk to Entertainment Tonight where they were like, hey, you got uh, some exciting news in the last couple of weeks. And he was like, it's all for you. Trust me. Trust me. <laughs> I was like, <laughs> I love you so much, Pedro. <laughs> and I was like, I do trust you. Like, and, and then he kind of went into a more like lucid explanation of how he was excited to be part of it and that they're really crafting a story to be proud of so i i don't know i'm just increasingly excited about this casting he also mentioned that they do have a fantastic four group chat which was mm-hmm. started by him so cute so, you know daddy. you gotta love it yeah eben musbacharach was on uh on jimmy kimmel and talked as well about um the fact that uh he's known he was the thing since august <laughs> since august jay since august yeah all get that david dig stuff like get out yeah. of here with that who, who, what was that we, we, we've been talking about this for months he's known now i it really makes me curious if more of them have been decided longer and we just didn't know man who knows at this point yeah i think there's a strong likelihood like everybody but pedro probably knew for at least a couple of months because we had those three names for a while like, yeah Reed yeah richards was the wild card Oh, we were talking about Vanessa Kirby like long time ago, like months ago as being Sue yeah. Storm. So, oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. for sure. Yeah. For sure. All right. Uh, and, oh, in response to uh, that, uh, Nerdy Tastic, one of our patrons wrote in and said, to be honest, I'm not entirely enthusiastic about any of these individually. And as a whole, I'm underwhelmed, borderlining on dislike. Uh, I'm taking a wait and see approach. I didn't think Chris Evans would do a good job as Captain America, but he was a wonderful surprise. I ended up loving Steve as a character and Evans himself as both a person and an actor. So I'm willing to change my mind if and when I see the finished product. And I think you can attribute a lot of that to the general (laughs) discontent that's been surrounding the MCU. We haven't, we don't have a lot of trust with them right now. We're building it back up though. Yes, we are. Yes, we are. (laughs) Brick by brick, piece by piece. Um, Loki by Loki. Mm-hmm. Um, uh, and speaking of, uh, Nerdy Tastic is one of our patrons, as I mentioned, and that's how she got her little thing read on the show. If you want to do things like that, you should go to patreon.com slash multiverse newscast and, uh, join our Patreon $4 a month supports the show, keeps us going. Thank you for everybody who's been joining. And, uh, I hear we still have a giveaway that's about to end. Yeah. Our really awesome, stylish multiverse news coffee cup in which there's only Mm. one in existence. It'll be exclusive and you could have it if you're a patron. Now I'm drawing the name for that on the 29th. So if you're listening to this on the day it comes out, that is tomorrow. So I'll wait till the evening. I'll give you a little bit of time, but you gotta, (laughs) you gotta get in there. All you gotta do is be a patron. You don't have to do anything. You just be a patron at the paid tier and you're entered to win. So come on over and do it sooner yeah. than later. I mean, we do stuff like that over there all the time. So you're uh, you're more than likely going to win something eventually. Longer stick around over there. Yeah, we, we love our patrons. Thank you so much, everybody, for joining up over there. It really means the world. Thank you for being a patron. <laughs> <laughs> we, we even, uh, Scotty's going to record a whole album for the patrons. That's right. Oh, that's my right. God. Oh, please. Fantastic idea. Uh, please. <laughs> crack Courtney. <laughs> <laughs> yes. No, we're doing that now. <laughs> uh, we'll, we'll start prepping like a, like a Christmas album or something, you know, but it's just Scotty like singing Christmas songs, <laughs> like totally acapella. It's like, oh, man, this thing's 12 tracks. <laughs> but they're all like 30 seconds each. 
<laughs> yeah, you know me too well. That's yeah, set expectations. Thank you. Yeah. <laughs> I truly, truly love this idea, especially no, it's, like. It's as as a musician and as like oh let's make a multiverse news album nope Jay Scotty you do it <laughs> <laughs> hey we're we're I cooking. really really love it let us cook you can do the album <laughs> artwork <Okay. laughs> yes I'll do the album artwork absolutely yeah we'll flip rolls <laughs> <laughs> all right let's move into the lightning round you guys know how this works I'm gonna read a story and then each of our participants here on the panel including myself will scream out their name if they would like to claim the story first one to say their name will uh uh give a reaction to the story uh, a take if you will and uh we get one rebuttal per lightning round so uh here we go ryan gosling will perform i'm just ken at the oscars on march 10th Haley. <laughs> yay <laughs> and i hope all the kins come on stage with him <laughs> definitely yes if he doesn't twirl simu and um Kingsley Benadir. Kingsley Benadir into his arms and have them kiss him on the cheeks. I'll be sad. (laughs) (laughs) Josh Brolin is in negotiations to star in Weapons, the new line horror film from barbarian filmmaker Zach Krieger. Brolin will be replacing Pedro Pascal, who had to drop out of the film due to scheduling conflicts arising from the Fantastic Four. Scotty. Yeah, this seems like a win-win-win to me. I mean, obviously, Pedro has, uh, you know, commitments to the Fantastic Four. And I absolutely loved Barbarian, so I'm really excited for Zach Kreger's follow-up there. And with Josh Brolin, it's been a lot of fun to see him doing the the promotional tour for Dune Part 2. He's just like, <laughs> he knows exactly who he is, and he just he wears it on his sleeve. So uh, I do think it's interesting to compare Brolin and, and Pedro Pascal, because, you know, Brolin is a, a little bit older, but... Um, I, 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 my mind started thinking about like, you know, Josh Brolin was obviously Thanos and Cable, but what, what about the multiverse verse out there where he was our Reed Richards? Maybe, maybe. Ooh, interesting. So many Brolins in the MCU. Um, <laughs> Eva Longoria and Eugene Levy have joined the cast of Only Murders in the Building season four at Hulu in recurring roles. Scotty? Uh, Only Murders has done a great job of like pulling in some A-list guest talents. We had um, Paul Rudd and uh, Meryl Streep. Meryl Streep. I was like, why can't I remember <laughs> Meryl Streep of all people's names right now? Uh, so, you know, Eva Longoria is not quite uh, as prominent a name these days, but I've always been a fan of hers. And uh, Eugene Levy is hilarious. So both are welcome additions, in my opinion. True Detective has been renewed for season five at HBO. Issa Lopez, the creator of True Detective Night Country, will helm the fifth season under her new overall deal with HBO. Jay, um, I loved this last season of True Detective. I thought it was fascinating and well-written and really well-acted. It was like weirdly controversial for some reason, uh, which I didn't pay any attention to because I walked away every week just thinking like, this is bomb and like it's the best one since season one, which season one is like some of the best TV I've ever seen. So uh, I think this is, this is a good move, like bringing on someone it's, it's always been an anthology series. So there's always that sort of like creative retooling that happens between every season, but to bring on like a consistent sort of writer, a consistent idea, the creator has been the same, but like to bring on that sort of like, you know, you did this last season and we also want you to sort of be involved with the next season. I think that's a good call. 
But yeah, only uh, True Detective this last season. Good stuff. A trailer was released for Horizon, an American saga, a four-part film project uh, from Kevin Costner. Parts one and two will have a dual theatrical release in June and August. Haley, I love that Kevin Costner just knows who he is and his mm-hmm. audience, and that he he like he's the Western guy, right? He's the Americana guy, um, and he I think got out of Yellowstone stuff to do this. So this is four movies that he's making. I think it looks pretty good. I have a different take. Rebuttal. <laughs> I think this looks like a TV show they cut up into a movie because they want to make a bunch of extra money. I think it looks lit terribly. I think the acting even looks kind of trashy in places, uh, particularly Kevin Costner. There's some line he reads that had like real Madam Web energy. Uh, this feels like they fe- they figured out he got that Yellowstone popularity. They put him in a cowboy hat. They sent him off to do a Western, and it's going to make tons of money because this will be something all the old people want to go to, uh, or not That's even true. not old people, Yellowstone people uh <laughs> I, I know yellowstone people that aren't old i do i promise um <laughs> <laughs> they're out there <laughs> but that's kind of kevin costner's like thing right he's totally not, you know he's not the best actor in the entire world and like i don't know he's just doing <laughs> how his dare thing. you <laughs> i'm here for it <laughs> he's like remember dances with wolves i'm gonna do you know something kind of like that again <laughs> Well, this is a this is totally a smart, smart, smart business move, and putting out like it is a way we talk. We've talked a bunch about getting butts in seats and what would do it, mm-hmm. and putting out four movies and like I'm guessing it's going to be like two one year, two the next maybe, um, something like that. Like that's a way to maintain buzz around something, um, and it doesn't even have to hit that Twitter buzz. It has to hit that weird Yellowstone buzz that's somehow <laughs> under the surface where people are talking on ham radios or whatever. I don't even know, but like... <laughs> I think they're on Facebook. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, yeah, you're right. Like I said, ham radio. That's what I call Facebook. <laughs> I have a soft spot for Kevin Costner because of Dances with the Wolves. My dad and yeah. I watch that movie a lot. <laughs> yeah. I... I have a I have a soft spot for for him too uh, that like uh, Robin Hood movie he did I really loved uh, yeah it's terrible I love it uh, I know I loved it so much growing up ooh Tin Cup uh, a Waterworld too like, I, was, I feel like uh, he, yeah I was about to throw out Waterworld just to have it to have a take and be in, be involved yeah. oh, sorry sorry Jay I didn't mean to cut you off there <laughs> no I I do not like Waterworld. <laughs> <It's fine. laughs> you're not gonna find me defending Waterworld on this podcast. Oh, Courtney brings up a great one, Field of Dreams. That is... Yes, yes, yes. yes. Go, Kevin. Just do your Um, thing. (laughs) Yeah, he's doing his thing. I think this is super smart and super weird. And you know I love a continuous universe. Putting out four movies in two years, like, this seems cool if I were into this sort of thing, but I'm not, and it looks like trash. (laughs) Hey, game recognizes game. (laughs) (laughs) Next year on Avengers Assemble. (laughs) The Harry Potter TV series is moving forward with Warner Brothers Discovery targeting a 2026 debut. The team met with author J.K. Rowling two weeks ago to discuss the vision for the project. Deadline has also confirmed that the field of writers has been narrowed down to Francesca Gardner, Tom Moran, and Kathleen Jordan, and a decision on who gets the job is expected in June. 
Jay, I think this Harry Potter project is fascinating because of the scale of it. Um, I like Harry Potter pretty well. I mean, I read all the books and saw all the movies and all that. But the the future of this is so gigantic because you're thinking about adapting these books into series. So you're immediately working with over 10 years of production, like it just minimum, like as a floor, that's what you're working with. So you have to nail everything. Like you have to get the casting and you have to get a cast of people that are going to stick around for that entire thing. And you're not just talking about the kids who are obviously going to be super important. Like you're going to have to nail that trio of like Ron and Harry and Hermione, because those three people just as like Daniel Radcliffe and Rupert Grimm, um, Uh, Emma Watson did like we watched these three grow up before our eyes right with this franchise like you're gonna have to do that again so you're gonna have to watch that happen and then you're gonna have to get like Snape and Dumbledore and like all you know all of like these like older characters too like they're gonna Mm -hmm. have to be there for a decade plus and so to me like that's a really interesting and really unique thing because you start a show and you cast people and you're like, man, we really hope we get another season. You know, like we're just going to throw everything at it. And then you just hope that you can keep making the show. But this is a show what's going, it's going into production going like, all right, strap in. Like we've got, you know, 15 years of, of series to make here and spinoffs and all this type of stuff. And it just like, that that's fascinating. Like the casting for this has got to be insane. Like in the way that they're trying to lay out, like how that whole thing's going to go down. And Mm -hmm. um, I just can't think of anything like that, that we've ever seen before where you're starting with that grand of a vision that you have to nail down so early and then you have to keep it for that whole time. Yeah. Scotty with a quick rebuttal. I will say if you're excited for this news, um, go check out friend of the show, Sarah Day McDougall's podcast, Peeves Gabfest. They're basically doing a, a reread of all the books and it'll be a really good kind of primer for you going into this series. Yeah, 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 for sure. Friend of the show, Sarah Day McDougall. Uh, Star Wars series, The Acolyte, is currently rumored to premiere on Disney Plus on June 5th. This was not confirmed or denied by Disney. Haley which means it'll happen around that time, maybe. <laughs> uh, the Acolyte looks really cool if you're into dark Star Wars, Sith Star Wars, mm. murdery Star Wars. <laughs> mm. All murders in the Empire. Mm. Only murders in the Empire. I, I totally, totally <laughs> oh, feel that on, joke. Yeah. Come on, that Fumbled was a terrible... goal line. <laughs> <laughs> the fourth season of Amazon's Emmy-winning drama, The Boys, will debut with three episodes June 13th and continue weekly for a total of eight episodes. Jay, um, that seems like The Boys is going to go for at least another season after this one is like the uh, kind of the rumblings that has not been confirmed, uh, but it seems like that is the direction that it's going. Uh, to me, I was always interested. I think... I just am really fascinated by the show. I think the show is so well done and it's like doing things that no other show can do uh, in terms of like the points that it makes and the stories that it tells. And I think the stakes have been raised so high, like the tension has been raised just consistently over every season Mm -hmm. and it's at an all time high right now with the way that the last season ended. So I'm really interested in it uh, past, but, but with, um, 
the introduction of Gen V, which I loved. Um, I think it just kind of like brings in a whole new perspective with this. So yeah, I, I think, um, man, I think that show is extraordinarily popular. Like I think it's going to continue to just grow in like the Emmy conversations and like all that as it just continues to, to kill it. I mean, it's, it's, it's doing great. Absolutely. Destin Daniel Cretton, who co-wrote and directed Shang-Chi, has been tapped to pin and helm a live-action adaptation of Naruto for Lionsgate. Scotty, I'm going to rep for my Animation Deliberation co-host Zuhair here and voice his excitement. I know he is a massive fan of Shang-Chi for the action and got about 99% certainty that Naruto is his favorite anime, so... Uh, definitely excited for him, and I'm excited to, to see what this thing is going to look like. All that being said, I hope that this does not uh, impact his commitments to Marvel or a Shang-Chi sequel in any way. And hopefully it speaks to, you know, like the other projects he, he was involved with, like Wonder Man, like those being in a really good place that he feels confident to go and, you know, stretch his, uh, his creative sensibilities elsewhere. A trailer dropped for Boy Kills World, a post-apocalyptic film starring Bill Skarsgård. Scotty, yeah, if you haven't seen this trailer, do yourself a favor, pause the podcast right now, go watch this thing, because this thing is absolutely wild. Like, we talk about movies needing to go balls to the walls, like, I I am just 100% here for everything that's happening in this trailer. Like, H. John Benjamin as a narrator for a mute protagonist, like, mm-hmm. it, it just looks <laughs> awesome. We need more, you talk about weird movies being in, yes. in, in, in the Oscar races. We need more <laughs> movies like this. Rebuttal, even though I already used it on Kevin Costner. Um, <laughs> sorry. It but doesn't count. This, is, <laughs> this trailer got me excited for this, and I just had to call out, this had the energy that I thought that Borderlands trailer was going to have after that nine second one we, we watched. They released oh, yeah. the full trailer the day after we dropped our cast, and I was talking about how excited that nine seconds made me. Full trailer, a complete disappointment. It's just like, <laughs> it gave me like Jumanji energy. Like it just had like weird. Kevin Hart and Jack Black. Yeah, it, Kevin Hart and Jack Black. Exactly. It had like that same comedy patter of that sort of movie, but it had such a cool visual style. I thought that we were going to get something like this trailer. And this trailer has all that weirdness, post-apocalyptic, cool, fun stuff that I thought I was going to get from that. And so I, this is my Borderlands of the week. Okay. <laughs> I like seeing Bill Skarsgård in this role too. Like he, cause yeah. he does a lot of those, like I'm the creepy guy and I'm just going to stand over here and, you know, <laughs> be the creepy guy or whatever. Like in his movies, I, feel like you just I, know, this I didn't know where I was taking that, <laughs> but like, but you know what I mean? Like, uh, but like in this, he's just like action hero, like balls to the wall. And yeah, I think it looks, it's, just, it's a different sort of vibe than we're used to from him, which is kind of yeah. cool. Totally. I could be mistaken, but it looks like they got the kid from The Boys that plays Homelander's son. Yes, that is him. Son. Yeah, yeah, okay, cool. Oh, yeah. cool. That's yeah. cool. Disney is going to release an expanded look at The Phantom Menace in their 25th anniversary comics for the film. Haley, <laughs> I snuck all the Star Wars news in here this week. Um, they're also <laughs> releasing, re-releasing The Phantom Menace in May in theaters for this anniversary, so that's super fun. And I think these comics won't be um, just a retelling. It sounds like they're actually going to add to the story, so that's great. 
<laughs> That's part of the album. Save what it. Will the, <laughs> what will the popcorn bucket look like for the Star Wars re-release? <laughs> Jar Jar is just open. Oh, God. <laughs> like from Gross. Beetlejuice? It's like Dark Maul, but you oh, split him in half. Like it's like, you know, like you like, oh you like God, peel it back like this. Oh, my God, bottom half. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Oh, man. They should hire us. Like we, we just... <laughs> That, that's a banger of an idea that we just. <laughs> that's not bad. It's not bad. I like that. I like that <laughs> a lot. Or like his head with his Zabrak crowns and pull it out of his, pull the popcorn out of his brain. <laughs> <laughs> that's pretty gross. James Gunn posted a cast photo of Superman Legacy following the first table read for the film, set for release July 11th, 2025. A logo also popped up in some photos of the cast name tags and is rumored to be the official logo. For the film. Filming is thought to begin this week. Jay, this photo is really cool. Um, the cast mm-hmm. just looks super fun. And I am reminded, though, when I see it, like how many people are in this movie, which isn't, <laughs> yeah. I guess, a bad thing. But I just was like, I was going through the photo and I was like, all right, there's Nathan Fillion. Like, he's Green Lantern. Yeah, of course. Wait, uh, Isabella Merced, why is she there? Oh, yeah, she's Hot Girl. Oh, uh, man, why is. Why? Oh, Metamorpho. Yeah, he's Metamorpho. Oh, oh, he's yeah. Mr. Terrific. Oh, he's, oh, she's the, you know, the engineer. It's like I kept like re- being reminded like, oh man, this guy's in this, this girl's in this. And it just like, just reemphasized that fact to me. Like, this is a busy movie. There's a lot going on. But, uh, but yeah, I mean, I don't know. Everybody looks like they're having fun. Like this is going to be, it's going to be a fun movie to get, uh, to get updates on as it films over the course of the next few months here. Teeny tiny response. James Gunn looks like he just like <laughs> popped up out of the middle of that group of people. Like, and I'm here too. <laughs> I love how David Corn sweat is in the back too. Like I had to I look for like, him. I was you, like, Superman. where is Superman though? Like yeah. he's literally Superman. <laughs> Way in the back. Maybe that's, maybe that's what this movie's going to be like. <laughs> Superman. It's really about all the other characters. Superman's just like a background it's character. Actually Rachel Brosnahan's movie. <laughs> yes. According to industry scooper The In Snyder, Lionsgate is reportedly in very early development of a remake of the 2000 horror classic American Psycho. Scotty? Okay. Oh, go ahead, Jay. <laughs> I, I just talked. You go ahead. I'll, I'll tiny butt it. You, you. <laughs> I was going to say, do you like Huey Lewis in the news? So you should probably take this one. <laughs> <laughs> I was just going to say that, like, I don't think this is the worst idea in the world because I think, like, the idea of a maniac who's like a super rich and powerful person that mm-hmm. has changed. Like, I could see you doing something really interesting with like social media and like tech yeah. bro and like you know, like it's a different world now than when that movie was made and i feel like you can still kind of keep the same aesthetic but you can really say a lot more about our comment or like our culture that we live in now and how that world of like money and wealth and power has evolved and so i don't think it's the worst idea in the world you know i saw a lot of people just being like no we can never remake this movie it was too iconic but i i'm i'm here for it if it gets the right talent and director and vision attached to it I'm, I'm glad I let you go first. Do you think it will still be set in the 80s with all of those points you made, which I think are, are right. great points? So that's that's the thing. Yeah, it's like if if it is, I just I'm not as interested, you know, I guess sure. like yeah. um, I think like to me, it's if we're going to do it, let's let's keep what happened the way that it is and let's take the core of the idea and let's mm-hmm. let's make something new. But it'll all depend on the vision for the film. You know, who can pitch the best idea for sure? I don't think we need like a Vince Vaughn psycho or whatever uh, <laughs> done for American psycho. 
Right. Although that would be pretty meta since they both have Psycho in the title. <laughs> well done. Well done. <laughs> <laughs> Yet unfurled in front of me. Sorry. Star Wars The Living Force, a highly anticipated new novel by John Jackson Miller, releases on April 9th, and readers can currently read an excerpt on the Star Wars website. Haley, so we're following all the prequel news because this is a book that takes place a year before The Phantom Menace, and Qui-Gon Jinn fans will be really happy because it's basically him kind of questioning the council, which is what he's known for in the canon of the uh, franchise. So, yeah, it looks really good. Deadline has confirmed that a second season of critically acclaimed A24 series Beef is currently in early development and is targeting Charles Melton, Kaylee Spaney, Jake Gyllenhaal, and Anne Hathaway to star. Jay, uh, I've been on record that I love the first season of Beef. It was one of my favorite shows of last year. It was made as a limited series. And so the idea of a season two uh, makes sense because it was so critically acclaimed. But it does seem like with the casting announcement of who they're circling for these roles, that it will be a change in pace. So the core of the first season was about a feud between two people that had escalated. And so it seems like the idea here is like a feud between couples that escalate. And I think like the connection of Jake Gyllenhaal and Anne Hathaway is really cool. They've started a movie together. I forget what the name is. I think it's called Love and Other Drugs, maybe or something like that. Like so yeah, that sounds right. Yeah, yeah. So they've been in a movie. Um, Kaylee Spaney recently played Priscilla uh, in that movie. So mm. you know she's she's kind of <laughs> up and coming. So that's an interesting cast. Uh, interesting idea. Like I'm all here for uh, for more of that series if they want to keep making it. Yeah, absolutely. DC is rumored to be developing a Jurassic League movie uh, based on their comics of the same name with Brian Lynch of Minions and The Secret Life of Pets reportedly pinning the script. Scotty, yeah. I mean, you're taking superheroes, you're taking dinosaurs, and you're putting them together. It it sounds like, you know, a (laughs) little boy's dream come true. So in that terms, like, it's an absolute cash grab, but I respect it, you know, seeing the talent of, uh, you know, creators of the Minions and Secret Life of Pets, which are two Illumination film series that I have not watched at all uh, and not super interested in. But I I think it's smart to lean in that direction. And uh, I did see DC League of Super... DC League of Super Pets back in 2022, and I, I had no expectations for that whatsoever. Ended up being pretty delighted with that. So if this can be a similar situation, great. And if it ends up not being a movie for me, no harm, no foul. It'll have an audience. Kevin Costner's like, did somebody say cash grab? <laughs> <laughs> Texting Bob Iger right now. Yeah. Tiny but when I saw Jurassic League, I was like, is this another update on that Jurassic movie? That sounds like a complete change from what <laughs> the, the next Jurassic World movie. Like and I was I was like my mind like I was I, I was one three words into reading that part of the script when I was rehearsing and I was like Oh, my mind was like spinning about Jurassic sports, like a sports, like so Jurassic is World movie. Why, why is <laughs> yeah, this, what? this sounds amazing. <laughs> give me, give me a like riding, like wrapped riding raptors for like I don't know horse races or something. I don't know, um, or like polo, but you're riding raptors and you have to avoid getting eaten. <laughs> <laughs> this is like the plot of a movie where like a 10 year old becomes like the head of a film company or something and he like, gets, to, gets to choose all the movies. <laughs> Dino Olympics. <laughs> Disney is developing Tangled into a stage musical. Haley, 
I'm surprised they haven't developed Tangled before for a musical because it of the past 15, 20 years, it really lends itself to one. So I I'm excited that they're doing that. Finally, we had to slip in some last-minute Dune talk. Uh, Dune Part 2 is currently the highest-rated film on IMDb. Scotty? Yeah, it is. Did you expect anything less? <laughs> yeah, boy. Are you not entertained? <laughs> yeah. <laughs> Speaking of the budget for Gladiator, I forgot to put this in the news, so I'm just going to say it because it's in my head right now. Uh, it's at $300 million. <laughs> Gladiator Part Two. Wow. <laughs> so yeah, you want to talk? Oh, when we were talking about Joker, I mean, come on now. Are you not entertained? It went from "Are you not entertained?" to "We really hope they're entertained." <laughs> <laughs> please, God, be entertained. <laughs> hey, Pedro's in it. Please come see it. <laughs> Is he in it still? I thought. He oh wasn't yeah, he's in still it in anymore. it. Oh yeah. Well, man, he's gonna be he in that. that. He's gonna be in the Mandalorian, <laughs> Fantastic man. Four, Last of Us. Oh, but the Mandalorian is just voice. Yeah, I know. Like, he, a, he doesn't have to be there for that. <laughs> <laughs> what? Good thing he stretches well. Uh, uh. <laughs> <laughs> all right. Uh, well, that's all for the show. Please follow us on our social medias. It's Multiverse Newscast everywhere, except for Twitter, where it's MV Newscast. Hey, uh, I got it this week. So Multiverse Newscast, wherever you uh, find us on socials, and MV Newscast on Twitter. Uh, and we got a new uh, a TikTok, and we're posting clips, but we're going to try, and we did it once, we're going to try, if there's a story in the middle of the week that we want to catch up on, like get an immediate reaction to, throw something up on tw- uh, our TikTok and Multiverse Newscast. So follow us on all those places. And uh, yeah, let's go around the panel and tell them where they can find you. Jay Sisson. Yeah, I'm at Commute the Podcast. It's a weekly educational show where we cover three interesting things in 20 minutes. So Commute the Podcast, wherever you get podcasts. Yes, yes, yes. And Jay Scotty St. Clair. You can find me over at Animation Deliberation, the podcast that takes action, animation, and cartoons seriously, but not too seriously, as well as Binger's Assemble, where we're doing a lot of coverage between the Oscars and Dune. Yeah. And Haley Hobbs. I'm at Source Pages. We dropped our second Dune primer today. Um, and then I'm on Bingers for Dune and the Oscars coverage. And when you're listening to this, if it's February 28th, it's my birthday. So do do me a solid and leave all of those sh- shows a five-star review. Yeah. Yes. It's a free birthday present for me, guys. Yeah. Five-star reviews for Haley's birthday. <laughs> That's the Woo. first track of the album right there. <laughs> so in your five-star review, make sure to say happy birthday to Haley. So, yes. so we know those came specifically for her. Uh, I love that. Uh, and uh, if you can find me, I'm over on Bingers as well, as well as the Marvel Cinematic Universe podcast. Uh, and uh, we'll be back with lots more multiverse news next week. Peace. You stay classy, multiverse.